that name right now. If you're watching online, would you do that where you are in your homes? Would you lift your voice to the name of Jesus? Lord, we exalt you in this place today. We magnify you in this place today. Come on, give him the praise that is due him. Give him the glory that is due his name this morning. Oh, hallelujah. We call your name, Jesus. We call your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Bless your name, Lord. Oh, there's power in the name of Jesus. There is healing in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. We feel that. We celebrate that. And it's not just a song. It's not just a story. But we have experienced that. Amen. And that's why we baptize in the name of Jesus Christ. That's why we pray for the sick in the name of Jesus Christ. That's why demons are subject to the name of Jesus Christ. He has a name that is above every name. There's power in the name of Jesus. Praise God. I'm thankful I know that name today. Praise the Lord. Well, it does feel like victory in the house of the Lord today, doesn't it? Amen. And I am thankful that you're here. Thankful for those of you online today. And I want you all uh, to be blessed. I'm asking Obina and Latoya uh, Ozuku to bring their children uh, for dedication. You may be seated. And uh, we do this on fifth Sundays, generally. COVID has sort of yeah, bring those beautiful babies right up here in the front. And we do this on fifth Sundays, and uh, COVID has sort of changed things a little bit. And we do uh, communion on fifth Sunday evenings. So we're just condensing it all into one service today. And of course, as you heard, Kids Space tonight. Amen. Amen. We dedicate our children to God because we're, we're stating our intentions. We're stating our commitment, our dedication and I suppose that really, really it's the parents we're dedicating today. Their commitment to raise these children to know the Lord. There's nothing I can say today, there's nothing I can do today that will somehow magically make these children be transformed into Christians. But what we can do, we can agree together that we as a church and this family will join together and we will do everything that we can to make sure that we set an example, that we preach the gospel that we show Christian love before these children so that we can do everything within our power so that when these beautiful babies come to age, they will naturally turn to Jesus Christ because it will be the only, the only obvious thing for them to do. As a church, of course you hear me say this often, but I mean it. And I want to underscore it. Children are not an interruption to our, to our program. Baby dedications are not an interruption to our program. This is who we are. Amen. This is not, as I mentioned just a few weeks ago, children are not the church of tomorrow any more than seniors are the church of yesterday. We all are the church of God. And this is what the church of God looks like. It is very diverse. Amen. That means the way we worship must be diverse. That means the way we minister must be diverse. That means that we must be inclusive uh, of those that come through these doors, and that includes age. And of course, we are very grateful to have this family today. And of course, you have gathered here today in the house of God, among the people of God, to dedicate your children to the Lord under the oversight and guidance and faith of a pastor. And I want to encourage you to continue in that because these children will have the best opportunities available to them if they remain in the house of God. 
and stay in the fellowship with the people of God and if they remain under the care of pastors. And so I know you intend to do that, and that's why you're here today. Obina and Latoya are dedicating Chinaza Emma and Chinazo Ella. Beautiful twins. I wish you all could see these beautiful babies today. When I first saw the pictures, I was just taken back by uh, the beauty of creation, the handiwork of God. And so you are blessed parents today to have these wonderful children. And you, of course, as parents, you know the challenges of life. You've experienced them already. You know the challenges of life as an immigrant coming from Nigeria and via London to here. And Obina moved near our church and, and actually found our church because he lived in close proximity and I think may have ridden his bike here some. And uh, you know the challenges, but you also know the determination and you know the payoff and you know the rewards for that. But not only, not only that sort of journey, but also a faith journey. You found your way to Pentecostal churches long ago from other traditions and we're thankful that the Lord has led you and guided you. And all of this, all of this is so that you can hand your children a better start than you had. Not just for a nation, not just for an economy, not just for all of that, and that's important. But to hand your children a spiritual heritage where they grow up doing this, where they grow up praising God, where they grow up seeing people filled with the Holy Ghost, where they very soon will be filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm going to ask you parents to make a vow to do your part in raising your children to love God. And after I've read the vow, I will exp ask you to express your agreement by simply saying, I do. Do you parents promise with the help of God and with the cooperation of the church to provide a Christian home of love and peace, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, to live a life which models Christ and to raise these children in the truth of our Lord's instruction and discipline and to encourage your children to one day trust Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. If so, each of you please say, I do. Now we do this a little different with COVID. I'm just trying to follow all the rules. I don't want to cause any anxiety unduly to people or to the government or anybody else. So I'm going to come down there and pray with these beautiful children. And uh, why don't you stand with me? I want you to pray with me. And uh, I guarantee you, if you had twins, you'd want somebody praying right now. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. What a beautiful family. We're so glad that you're at New Life Austin. I'm so glad that you've chosen to be here. And I, I, uh, I, I just want you to feel our love, our support. Uh, and we're with you today. Church, could we pray for these children and for this family? Lord Jesus, I pray for these beautiful girls today. God, you see the steps that they will take. I pray that you order those steps. I pray that you lead them and guide them. Provide for them. Let there be provision. Let there be protection. But most of all, Lord, let them come to know you in their earliest days. Let them receive you in their earliest times. Lord, from their youngest moments, let them have a sensitivity to your spirit. Use these lives for your purpose. Lord, I pray for these parents today, God. You know the steps that they take. They have taken a long and arduous journey to get here today, but Lord, you're not done with them. There is still a life, there's still a future, there's still a hope, a ministry for them in their lives. I pray you use them. I pray you guide them and lead them. Hallelujah. Could we offer praise to the Lord for this family and for a future? Amen. God bless you.
Praise the Lord. The Lord bless you. I want to read a text before you're seated today. Amen. And um, I, I, I know we have communion coming at the end of my sermon, and so you've trained me well. I won't be long. Amen. I do want to read a passage of Scripture, though. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. So good to see the house of the Lord filled with people today. Amen. And for those of you online, that means properly distanced. But it's good to see you all here today. And uh, I think most of our available seats are filled. Probably have some in our overflow rooms. And just good to see hunger in the hearts of people. A desire to worship God. Amen. A desire to have our lives changed. A desire to, to know that we can't do this without Him. And to all of you watching online, I know there's a lot of views right now. I, I very often go back and watch our services online and to share your experience and at times can see who's watched or commented or what needs there might be. And I just want to say thank you to you as well. That desire and hunger and dedication for you to take this time, although it can be so distracting and, and feel very different than being here in person, you keep showing up. And so we say thank you. You're part of us. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 and this is what the word of the Lord says. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Quite powerful words. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. To, to the people that don't know any better, it's foolishness. It's meaningless. Doesn't add up. But to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. And that's what I want to preach to you for a few moments today. Simply this, the power of God. The power of God. Could we again give Him thanks for what we feel in this house today? For His goodness and mercies to us. Lord, we thank You today. We worship You. We are grateful to you today. Come on, lift those voices, put those hands together and give God the praise that he deserves in this house today. Lord, we worship you. We praise you in this place. You are deserving of all of our praises. You deserve all our hallelujahs today. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord. You may be seated. Paul ministered in a very multicultural world in his day. Of course, he traveled from place to place, encountering various cultures, local cultures and local communities in which he ministered. Some of those were very different from others, and there were also philosophical strands and religious strands throughout that day. Uh, the Epicureans, the Stoics, others. But there was also this overarching Greek culture that sort of permeated the day, Hellenism they referred to it as. And it was very much was unlike the world in which you and I live that is at least established and founded on Judeo-Christian values and uh, even the secular among us are well-versed many times in the faith that we endorse. But in Paul's day, when he would preach to those, to those far-flung places, it was quite different and he encountered various different uh, religious, social cultural ideas, various temples and gods and goddesses, various things that he had to contend with. 
And in those days, one of the prevailing things that Paul would encounter is the Greeks of Paul's day, they exalted wisdom above everything else. Their idea of wisdom, Sophia, you may have heard the word. Sophia is the Greek word for wisdom. Now, don't confuse this with the idea of godly wisdom that we would think of and that the Bible tells us we should strive for and that we should strive to attain, but rather as an intellectual understanding, a philosophical way of understanding the world. And we don't have time to get into those definitions and things, but it wasn't as if Paul was contending with, say, uh, wisdom of the elders, like we would think of wisdom, or wisdom of leaders, like we would think of wisdom. It was, this, it was this overarching philosophical construct, this way of perceiving the world, of perceiving reality, and this way of doing life. And when Paul preached the gospel to these people, to the Greeks, it was too simplistic for them. It was too easy. When Paul preached the gospel to the Greeks, it was too simple for their liking. It lacked sophistication. The idea of a suffering Messiah, that a suffering Messiah who ultimately would die, that that would be the way, that if there were a God, that that God would choose to save the world. It didn't make a lot of sense. And really, this is inevitable, the inevitable human dilemma, I think. Although we don't struggle with this philosophical construct like the Greeks did, people want God to fit inside their pre-existing ideas. People want God to fit inside their pre-constructed notions of religion, of, of culture, their way of understanding the world. They want God to be a God that they like. They want God to be a God that is consistent with their views. Therefore, many times you hear people say things like, well, God would not do A, B, and C. Although clearly in his word he has declared he shall do A, B, and C. The issue is that we try to have a God that is created in our own image. We try to have a God who fits our preconceived ideas because that sort of God then provides cover. That sort of God provides affirmation. That sort of God does not resist us. This is why politicians who profess to be Christian legislate things that are against the Bible. This is why many who profess to be Christian engage in all sorts of cultural activities and entertainments and pursuits. Violate biblical values. The reality is people try to create a God in their image and to their own liking, a God who approves of their choices, a God who condones whatever lifestyle they choose to live, a God who becomes their travel partner on the road of life. That's the God that people want to serve. This is why the religions of the world have become merely a menu where people can choose. People can look across the religious menu and decide if they like this particular expression or that or another. Not in any search for absolute truth, not any search for an absolute being, not any search for the ultimate reality, not any search for something, a higher power, an authority to which we must submit and in which we find meaning, but rather... A travel partner that we can use to condone what we do and explain what we want. But this is not salvation from sin, but this is justification of sin. 
The first principle of salvation, the first principle of salvation is that God must be accepted on His terms, not our terms. We are the ones who are lost, not Him. You know, sometimes in our testimonies we say, well, I found God. No, you didn't find God. God found you. And the first principle is that we are the ones who are lost. It's not Him. We are the ones who need saving, not Him. He's the one that has the ability to to reach down and pick us up and, and pull us out. It's not the other way around. In fact, He's not in need of us. We're in need of Him. He doesn't need to be worshipped, but we need to worship. He doesn't need more people gathered around His throne, but we need to find ourselves in places of worship, prostrated before Him. We are the ones in need. It's not Him. He is the Creator. We are the created ones. Jesus, hey, hear me. Jesus doesn't want to take the wheel. Jesus wants to throw your car away. Yeah, we, don't, we, we sometimes think that we just need Jesus to kind of get in beside us and kind of help us out. He's not interested in just getting in beside you and helping you out. He's interested in taking your plan and wadding it up and balling it up and tossing it out the window. And he says, take up your cross and follow me. That's the kind of Jesus we serve. Paul. The Apostle Paul clearly declares that the power of God comes through the cross of Jesus Christ. If you want to see the power of God, look at the cross of Jesus. It is the cross of Christ that demonstrates the depths of God's love. It is love that brings meaning to human existence. It is love for which we all strive and seek. Not only to love, but to be loved. Love is that human bond. It's one of those basic fundamental needs of humanity. And if you want to understand the depths of the love of God, you can look at the cross of Christ and you can see that there's a God that there's no really other explanation for this. There's no other explanation. I mean, think about the logic. Here is a God that can create. Here is a God that can destroy. He can bring into existence just as easily as he can annihilate. God is not limited by the material world. And so here is a God. He creates the human race. He tells them what to do. They rebel. They turn from Him. They abandon Him. And rather than annihilating them, and rather than getting rid of them, God says, there's something about them that I love. There's something about them that I choose. And rather than getting rid of us, and rather than wiping us out, you see on Calvary the love of God, a God that desires us, a God that chooses us, a God who wants us, a God that is willing to do whatever it takes to reach out and pull us into relationship with him the cross of Christ the cross of Christ demonstrates to us the depths of the love of God yes it demonstrates the awfulness of our sins yes it demonstrates the justice of God but it would have been a lot easier for God to just flick humanity off the scene a long time ago but there was the love of God for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son the love of God Hereby perceive we the love of God, that He gave Himself. The love of God. It is the cross of Christ that demonstrates the extent of God's power. We often think of power in terms of human achievement. Economics or military might. Mechanical might. We think of it in various ways of politics or dominance. 
physical strength, but the greatest power, God's power, is the power to forgive sins. Sin. Sin is that thing that isolates you and gets in the way between you and God. There's no invention that can fix that. There's no army that can repair that. I don't care how strong you are, you can't undo what you've done. I don't care how big you are, how rich you are. I don't care how big your machine is. You can't reconcile back to God what you have broken. And when we talk about the power of God, yes, He has creative power. Yes, He has all, if you want to think of it in physical terms, yes, He has the ability to do whatever He wants to do. But the greatest power of God is the power to heal human brokenness and the power to reconcile factions in humanity and factions, the faction of uh, that is between Him and humanity. That is the power of God. The power of God is the power to restore hope. The power of God is the power to issue second and third and fourth and fifth and 25th opportunities. That's the power of God. And it is in the cross of Christ that we see the power of God on display. We see the intention of God. The ultimate power is the power to remove the sentence that was placed upon us. A debt that we owe to God himself and he wipes our record clean. That is the power of God. I don't know if you've ever been into um, our judicial system. I've had the uh, uh, fortune or misfortune, I guess you could say, as a pastor and, all, and also as, uh, just as, a, as a, uh, just a person to be exposed to the criminal court system on various cases. And I can assure you this, it can be brutal, it can be challenging, it can be difficult. And, and there are certain laws and there's, there, there's certain consequences for laws. If you break a law, you, 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 you should most of the time you're going to pay for that. And so it, it, it's, and it's very complicated. You know, you've got judges, you've got lawyers, you've got the law, you've got the people that write the laws, and sometimes that all gets tangled up. And, and you've got scheduling and hearings and all this kind of stuff, and it just gets so complicated. It gets so, so tangled up. And it can be challenging. When you think about, when you think about the law of God, in that we have violated the law of God. What, what's the, where's your lawyer for that? Where, where's your appeal for that? I mean, you, you stand before the creator of the universe. What are you going to do, blame your mom and dad? I'd blame my brother. He probably did it. I mean, what is your excuse before the creator of the universe? What is your excuse before the one who knows every thought and knows every deed and knows every motive and knows where you've been and you have no alibi? What is your, what is your excuse before the one that knew you before you were born and has known every moment of your life and who knows every number of the hair on your head? What is your excuse before him? What is your excuse before that one who himself took on human flesh and lived in this world but committed no sin like we have? What's your excuse then? What's your excuse before the one who knows exactly what you've done and who knows exactly the number of sins you have hidden from everyone else and knows exactly the thoughts that you've concealed from everyone else? What's the excuse before him? There is no excuse. 
Many times we say, well, when I get to heaven, you know, I've got all these questions. When you get in the presence of the resurrected Christ sitting on his throne, there will be no questions. There will be no rebuttals. There will be no but ifs. And there will be nothing. Because when you stand before the creator of the universe, you will be standing before the most majestic and the most powerful and the most glorious being that you have ever seen. King of kings and Lord of lords. That's who will be on that throne. The ultimate power of God is not the power to fix your bank account or the power to fix your car or even the power to heal your body. The ultimate power of God is the ability for Him to cancel out your debt and for Him to say, you are free. Go and sin no more. The ultimate power of God is to say, you should have died, but I choose to love you. I choose to pull you back. I choose to be in relationship with you. That is the ultimate power of God. Think of it. His own word says you should die. His own decree said you should perish. But his mercies through a cross reach out and say, No, I'll take it. I'll pay the price. I'll bear the brunt. I'll stand in the middle. And so Jesus on the cross becomes a sponge to soak up the wrath of God. So you don't have to soak it up. Yes, he was angry. Yes, it was justice. But he took it so you don't have to. And now you're clean and you're white. That is the power of God. power of God is seen on a cross. The ultimate power to bring us out of darkness. The ultimate power to bring, to bring us out of death and into life. The power to adopt us into the family of God. The power of God to destroy sin and Satan and to give us liberty and freedom in our lives. That is the power of God. And Paul, in the passage that I read, he said, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Without the cross of Christ, you're on your way to perishing. We're mostly converted here today, but if you're not, if you have not gone to the cross of Christ and accepted his salvation, you are on the path of perishing. And Paul says, Those that reject the cross of Christ are perishing. And notice the way he says this. They are in the process of perishing. It's like a slow fade. It's like they're disintegrating along the trail. It's like they're just losing pieces and parts as they go. It's like they're becoming less than they were. The farther they go, they become even less. He said they are perishing. It is whittling away at them. They are in the process of heading towards total destruction. But, he says... To us who are being saved. The cross is the power of God. The Passover in the Old Testament. You may remember that sacrifice when the children of Israel were in slavery in Egypt. And the night that they were delivered, the Lord told them, take a Passover lamb, slay the lamb, put the blood on the doorpost. And when the death angel comes by and if he sees the blood on your doorpost, he will pass over you and go to the next house. And it was the way that Egypt was judged, but they were set free. The New Testament tells us that Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. That Passover in the Old Testament was a type of Jesus Christ. It pointed towards Jesus Christ in that while he was crucified and his blood is applied to our lives, the judgment of death does not apply to us. But 
That's only the first thing that the lamb did for them. The other thing the lamb did for them is that it gave them the strength and the nourishment to get on the trail and start heading towards their victory and to get out of bondage. When we come to know Jesus Christ, it is not just the event of our salvation, but the cross of Christ nourishes us and it equips us and it enables us. Notice what he says. We who are being saved. Yes, I was born again. Yes, I was baptized in Jesus' name. Yes, I was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with tongues. But ever since that time, I have been being saved. I have been being nourished. I have been being strengthened. How? By the cross of Christ. I want you to know that his cross strengthens us. It doesn't just leave us and pick us up someday in the future, but the cross of Christ is what gives us hope and strength and life in the process and on the journey. We are being saved. We are being saved today. That's why we're here in this room today. That's why you're watching online today, because we are being saved. Not only does the cross take care of the covering the judgment, that is to come upon our lives, but it also nourishes and strengthens us every day. Because of the cross of Christ, you haven't lost your mind. It is because of the cross of Christ that you haven't gone farther than you did. It's because of the cross of Christ that you didn't lose all the faith that you had. It's because of the cross of Christ that you have been used by God. It's because of the cross of Christ that it hasn't broken and fallen into a million pieces. It's because of the cross of Christ that you even desire to watch this service today. It is because of the cross of Christ that you have a desire and a hunger and a will to do something for God. We are being saved and the power is in the cross. It's in the cross of Christ. In other words, because of the cross of Christ, I have strength each and every day. It's Jesus who's getting me through. It's not Washington, it's not the university, it's not my bank account. Jesus is getting me through. He gets me through the pandemic. Jesus gets me through the recession. Jesus gets me through the social chaos. He gets me through the political confusion. He gets me through difficult seasons in my life. He gets me through the twists and turns of life. Jesus, why? I am being saved by the cross of Christ. That's why Paul says in another passage very similar in Romans chapter 1, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? For it is the power of God to salvation. <laughs> it is that cross of Christ that is our salvation. I want to remind us today that Jesus is everything. Jesus is our all and all. Jesus is not the one who saved us and we'll circle back around someday and pick us back up. He's the one carrying us every step of the way. Because we are being saved. Jesus is our everything. Jesus is our all. He's why we're here today. He's why we want to be here today. He's why we're going to conquer tomorrow. Jesus is our all and our all. I want us to stand. We're going to have communion in just a moment. 
I remember from long ago in a church much smaller than this, we'd sing a song. He is my everything. He is my all. Six of you know it. He is my everything, both great and small. He gave his life for me, made everything new. He is my everything. But how about you? But how about... Sing that again, you know it, it's easy. He is my everything. Do you mean that? He is my all. He is my everything. Both great and small. He gave his life for me. Made everything new. He is my everything. But how about you? Lord, thank you today. Thank you today that you're everything to us. Hallelujah. Would you just give him some thanks right now? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Today we're taking the Lord's Supper. We do this every fifth Sunday. Today's a little different, of course, because of COVID. And so on your way in, you should have received a small package with the elements. If you did not, if you'll raise your hand, our ushers will come through the aisle. And we'll give you these. These, of course, communion for baptized believers. Keep your hands raised. They'll, they'll try to get to you as quickly as possible. And uh, please hold these. Keep your masks on. I'll give you some very specific instructions. We'll do this all together um, in just a moment. But I want to make sure everyone has them. And then I want to give you some specific instructions concerning not only the communion, but also concerning uh, this new method. Bread and wine or fruit of the vine... Symbols of the body of Christ and the blood of Christ shed for us. Of course, there's nothing magical in these elements, but to be purposeful and meaningful, it's taken in faith. And in this moment, we do two things. One, we reflect, we reflect on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and what it means for us. And hope that He will come again for us, where we will sit down with Him and have supper with Him. The second thing is mere obedience. Jesus said, do this while you wait for me to come back. And so we reflect. And I want you to know that right now, as we have faith in Jesus Christ, this is a moment of all moments where you can receive a miracle. As you literally put your faith in, in what Jesus Christ did on that cross, His broken body, His shed blood. As we put our confidence in, in that not in these, but these are symbols of that. As this reminds us, it is a perfect moment to receive the healing of God.
to receive the forgiveness of God, to receive cleansing, to receive power that can only come from God. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, For as oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till He come. And wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. As we always do, I want us now to pray together the prayer that our Lord instructed us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Would you pray now in your own words to the Lord? It's a good time of reflection, of searching. Not a time of condemnation, but a time of opening yourself up to the Lord so that you can fully take the benefits of His cross upon your life now. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would search our hearts. God, we come with humility. We come with simplicity. We come with repentance. And we come with faith knowing that you are able to forgive sins, knowing that you are able to give us strength for the journey, knowing that you are able to heal, that you're able to work in body, soul, and spirit. And God, we come with a great confidence in you as we celebrate this memorial to your sacrifice for us. And as we look forward to your soon return, Lord, we take courage, we take faith, and we know that right now we are being saved. And we receive that in the name of Jesus. Christ. <clears throat> now I want to give you a b- brief explanation. I think it's mostly obvious, but these little cups, there is a lid that opens the juice. Don't open that yet. But there's a small piece of cellophane paper that has a purple mark on it. That's how you open the wafer. We will first open that and we'll partake of that. You can open it now. I'll lead you through it, though. Um, we'll partake together. But you just open that top, the little clear cellophane, and uh, then we will open the bottom in just a few minutes. And uh, so you can open the top now. The bottom is a little more tricky, so you'll have to really stabilize it when you open the bottom. When we're done, I would ask that you hang on to these. There there are uh, trash cans right out in the foyer. Please take your uh, container and drop it in those trash cans uh, on your way out. Does everyone have your bread now? For as oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till He come. That's the passage that we read, and that is what we're doing today. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which He was betrayed, took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. The bread, the symbol of the body of Christ, broken for you. Take and eat freely. Now if you can carefully open, you don't have to open it all the way, just enough to... 
presence of the Lord is among us. After the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. The fruit of the vine, the symbol of the blood of Christ, shed for many for the remission of sin. Take and drink freely. Now could we offer some thanks to the Lord right now? Thank you that we are being saved right now. Oh, there's nourishment for our journey. There's healing for our bodies. There's, there's healing for our minds and spirits today. Come on, reach out to Him right now. If you need something from the Lord, put your faith in Him right now. Begin to, begin to claim by faith the benefits of that cross right now. Come on, we're in that process of being saved right now. That's it. That's beautiful. Would you lift your hands and voices and begin to give Him praise and receive by faith what He has for you right now. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. You can respect distancing, but if you feel to come to the front, you can. Stay spread out and respect one another. But why don't we just linger here for a moment in praise and worship. I feel the victory of Jesus Christ in this house. I feel the, the breakthrough of the Lord in this place. He can loose chains right now. He can break addictions right now. He can heal bodies and minds. He can, he can mend relationships. He can work in families right now. He can do the, the impossible right now. Come on, would you reach to Him right now? Would you reach to Him with faith? Would you reach to Him in worship right now? God, I claim the benefits of the cross right now. I claim the benefits of the cross right now. Come on, I will not be denied. I will not be deterred, but I stand on the promises of God. And I stand on the work of that cross today. We are being saved today. We are being saved today. We are being saved today. Hallelujah. But to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. They're going to lead us in worship and provide some more atmosphere for worship. But could you just linger here and worship the Lord for a while? Could you linger here and receive from Him for a while? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, receive it in Jesus' name. Too dirty, you can make worthy. Me in mercy. Would you claim that? Claim his deliverance in this place. Oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you, you're not beyond his reach this morning. If you're online, would you press on in faith and worship right now? There's no one beyond his reach. There's no one beyond his touch this morning. Oh no. Hallelujah. Come on, receive it.
You can make love. 